Well, we know that San Diego State and SMU are the top two targets for the Pac-12 in this round of realignment. But who should we keep an eye on for the Pac-12, assuming they position themselves accordingly, going forward? You are Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pack 12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, and your number one source to stay up to date with our media rights free and beloved conference of champions. Like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, please, and thank you wherever you listen to or watch the show. Appreciate all of you out there. Lots to get to national championship and Pac 12 championship talk, and a future Pac 12 survival question as well. But this question came in via the mailbag, which you can always be a part of. YouTube comments or hit me up on Twitter at Smalls underscore 55 or at LO underscore Pac-12. This from Steve. In this round of realignment and 2030-ish, I like that, 2030-ish. That's about when the next big moves could uh, you know, either be materializing or start to go down. Decisions could be made. How many of these are possible additions to the Pac-12 eventually? UConn, San Diego State, SMU. Okay, we know how I feel about those those last two there, right? San Diego State and SMU. So UConn, Fresno State, FAU, USF, that's South Florida, Memphis, Colorado State, UNLV, and East Carolina. I will go through and assign a number on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being they are going to be a top target for the Pac-12, assuming it is able to get a sufficient media rights deal, keep everybody committed, stay together, yada, yada, yada. Let's assume they do that. Let's also assume, for the sake of argument here, that the Big Ten doesn't come calling one day for schools like Oregon, Washington, Stanford, Cal, and the like, right? Maybe they throw Utah in there. I don't know. We don't really know. It's an unpredictable world. You never know. So, Let's say that all of that happens and the Pac-12 is in a position around 2030-ish to be able to pursue realignment further. Let's also assume for the sake of argument, as I touched on in yesterday's show, that it's unlikely they would be able to create the Grand Canyon of a size gap between themselves and the Big 12 on so many fronts that suddenly they'd be able to go out and try and lure Big 12 schools away from that conference over to the Pac-12, which would be ideal, but is, again... Not technically impossible, but highly, 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 highly unlikely, at least in my view. So the rest of those schools, UConn, Fresno State, FAU, USF, Memphis, Colorado State, UNLV, and East Carolina that Steve asks about. If you ever have a school that you want to ask me about, by all means, drop it in the YouTube comments or hit me up on uh, Twitter. So let's start with UConn. I'm going to put this at about a three. I think UConn is a three because I don't think the Pac-12 is necessarily the target for for UConn from a conference standpoint, because they've been kind of tied to the Big 12. I think there's a lot of logic there. The Big 12 is trying to brand itself now and in the future as the best basketball conference in America. They think it's going to be, you know, something that has more upside than something that's, you know, already plateaued from a, a ratings and viewership and dollar figure standpoint for the conference and the rest of your teams and the valuation of the media deal. Right now, it's around, you know, 15 percent 
of a meteorite's contract valuation, or at least somewhere in that range. I'm, I'm sure you, it, it, it depends, but it's, you know, a small amount, but not zero for sure. Could that go up to 30? Could it go up to 40 one day? Eh, I don't know. That's kind of what the Big 12 is hoping has happened. But that's why they've been pursuing UConn, also because they want to, you know, expand their portfolio out east in addition to Cincinnati and uh, UCF out in that part of, of the country there. So I'll put UConn at a three because that would be the Pac-12 shifting their mindset, right? Now, if they, add, if they end up adding SMU, that would be the furthest east they've ever expanded. And I would not rule out that going forward, the Pac-12 would look at, hey, should we be getting an East Coast team? Do we need someone on the other side of the country? Do we want to be as national of a conference as we can possibly be, even if it's not, you know, picking up other Power 5 schools the way the Big Ten and the SEC are able to do? So that's why I would put UConn at a three. Fresno State, I would put that at a five. So I think athletically, geographically there's a fit there here's where here's where fresno state could gain an advantage though and maybe go from a five on the pac-12 interest level uh we'll, we'll call it the interest meter let's let, let, let's let's dub it a name they're a five on the pac-12 interest meter because they are in the state of california which as we know and you know hopefully san diego state ends up getting added here has a lot of value to the conference in more ways than one fresno state does not at this point in time Pass the smell test academically. Neither does Boise State. But Fresno State, let's say for instance, and I have I, I have mentioned this many a times before, I don't think it's impossible. If the Big Ten were to somehow convince Notre Dame to join their conference, not the ACC, which is kind of where they would be tied to go if they were to join a conference football-wise, but let's say they joined the Big Ten and they were looking for someone to pair with them, what if they added Stanford? Would the Pac-12 be able to continue at that point? I think so. If it was Stanford and Cal, and you might have other schools trying to jump ship, right? Like it could trigger other effects, but let's say that that were to happen. Then Fresno State suddenly becomes a little bit more appealing because you need television households, you need solid athletic brands, and Northern California is not exactly the Valley, but from people that I've talked to who understand these situations better than I do, Fresno State is viewed closer to being a Northern California product as a Southern California product. So that's part of why San Diego State's more appealing at this point in time. The academic side is a component as well. But athletically, yeah, that could be a fit. And here's the other thing. I wonder if, you know, if Stanford would be the team that would get taken away by the Big Ten and just the one team taken away by the Big Ten, I wonder how that shifts the mindset of the presidents with regards to valuing academics as much as we know that they do. Would they feel like they have to go and out of Fresno State because they don't have any other options there? And they may not love it, but they're may- and can Fresno State up their academic profile? Sure, they could. Long time between now and then. Enough time? Eh, probably not, but not impossible. So I'll put that at, at about a five. Florida Atlantic, I think this is a one. Uh, not because... Florida Atlantic didn't just have an outstanding season. We all remember they were in the Final Four, right? That's who San Diego State beat in the Final Four this year. They're going from Conference USA to the American, but I put them at a one, as in that interest level at this point in time, I don't get on on the interest meter. I think that's a one because I think USF would be at like an eight. Now, this is on on the condition that the Pac-12 presidents and their commissioner, George Klyovkov, one day have the desire and position themselves to expand beyond 
let's say they had San Diego State and SMU, go beyond the state of Texas. Continue to go further east. South Florida is 100% a school to watch for. So when I'm listing out these sorts of schools and discussing these options, I think we as Pac-12 fans in the age and era of realignment should just keep a side eye on what these teams do because a great football season or a great basketball season even, right, the likes of which San Diego State had, can raise a school's profile to make them more appealing to a Power 5 conference. So if you start to see in the next five years, South Florida start to, you know, recuperate what they once had as a football program long, long ago, then you, like, go back 2007, they were in the top five. True thing that happened. South Florida was in the national championship conversation way back when. They just opened a new stadium. They also just got AAU status. That's not everything. That's not automatic, but it's a factor, right? There are a lot of factors that go into realignment driven by presidents on my gravestone. Please and thank you when I die. So I think that that is where they would go to get into the state of Florida. That appears to be the most likely school given the size, history, conference, AAU. I think that if they were going to one day decide, yeah, we want to go into Florida. Yes, South Florida is the school to watch for on that front at this point in time. But there are other programs out east that the Pac-12 could one day be interested in. I know they have to get this whole media rights debacle figured out and get it finalized and, you know, all that sort of stuff. I understand that. This is a futuristic question. So I'm giving a futuristic answer. Now, your future can be more secure financially if you're placing big-time wagers at FanDuel. Now, you should always gamble responsibly, of course, but that doesn't mean you can't earn yourself a little steak dinner if you go out there and place the right bet. And you can take your first swing at betting Major League Baseball on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets, up to $200. That's right, just bet 20 bucks and you'll land 200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 you can spend on betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run. There's no better place to bet Major League Baseball than FanDuel, America's number one sports book, all in an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Sign up today. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. Get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. I love Pacific Northwest water. It is so much superior to everywhere else's tap water. It's not close. If you understand, let me know and let's bond over that. So let's also bond here on the show about what this school or about which schools can be targets going forward because there are more than one. So another school to consider, Memphis. I think Memphis at this point in time, I'd say they're about a six. I think Memphis is a six because they would have to represent a shift in mindset from the Pac-12. But the reason that I rate them below Florida on the uh, Pac-12 future interest meter, I put them below South Florida at a six as opposed to an eight because I think Florida is a lot more appealing of a place to be in than Tennessee, which isn't to say that Tennessee doesn't have some kind of value, that Memphis doesn't have a solid athletic brand. They do, right? When Mike Norvell was there, they went to uh, the Cotton Bowl against Penn State. They've had uh, good good basketball teams to get into the NCAA tournament. Like They have a respectable brand in that sense. 
academically. I haven't done a full deep dive on them. I think they're somewhere between like South Florida and uh, Boise and Fresno State, kind of uh, a tweener in that sense. But that sort of stuff can change over time. So I think Memphis would be about a six. Colorado State, interesting program here. They have a lot more money as an athletic department. I'm not entirely certain as to why. But they have a lot more money than you would think for a Mountain West school that is really not very good at basically anything. Like, I'm sure they've had a few seasons here and there, but have you have you ever known Colorado State to be a big athletic power? Have you ever known Colorado State to make a bunch of noise in the college sports scene? I haven't. And look, the Denver media market is one of the better ones in the United States. It is top 20, last time I checked according to the Nielsen ratings. But Colorado State with Colorado already there, that would only, that that's the only way I could see that shifting in a dramatic way is if Colorado looked at the media deal and said, yeah, I know this is not good enough. We're going to go back to the big 12. Then Colorado state becomes a factor. But for now I'm putting Colorado state at about a three, which brings us to the final two schools here. UNLV. I got to put them above Colorado state because they represent a different untapped market there. But it's still relatively small, Las Vegas, compared to, I know there are you know, more homes in the surrounding area. It's a growing area. And I've talked about Las Vegas in a positive fashion many times here on the show. I think UNLV, because of their lack of athletic success and the fact that they haven't really ever been tied to realignment in a major way, they get mentioned here and there. But have we ever heard anything about conversations between them and the Big 12 or the Pac-12? Like, I think there's a reason neither conference is super, super keen on going after UNLV right now. So I'm going to put that at a four on the Pac-12 future interest meter. And then East Carolina, I'm going back to a three here with Colorado State. I don't know that it's you know a big interest from a market standpoint. They're in the American Conference. They don't have you know the most athletic success out there. Like they wouldn't bring a lot to the table again. This can all change because 2030-ish is six, seven-ish years away, but I don't think that that's a brand right now or a team or a university they look at and say, oh yeah, no, you, re- you really want them to pop because uh, they're going to, you know, they could really build themselves into something. I'd put them at a three with Colorado State and UNLV at, at a four because I think if, you know, among those three, those final three you listed there, Steve, Colorado State, UNLV, East Carolina, if UNL, if any of those schools' athletics start to really pop, UNLV would be the most likely addition because it's Las Vegas. That that'd be my, my thought there. But as always, curious to your thoughts. I don't even know if I need to tell you to drop them in the YouTube comments below. You guys take care of that uh, pretty pretty darn well, which I love. I, I love the support. I love the conversations. I love uh, everything about it. So keep the energy rolling here. Uh, let's talk about some football. So. There is something in sports known as the BCR or the blue chip ratio. And this has been an often referred to uh, statistic by by media pundits or podcast hosts like myself or whoever, uh, certainly not by coaches and players. They're not paying attention to any of this sort of stuff. They're just getting ready for, you know, how they can get better and whoever their week one opponent is or the next week uh, opponent is. But the blue chip ratio since 2011 has given us an idea of who can actually win the national championship. Now, the Pac-12 has not won a national championship in football since USC last did so in 2005. It was played in 2005, 2004 season, however however you want to look at it. But they went for that three-peat against Vince Young in probably the greatest college football game of all time. 
uh, back at the Rose Bowl. Um, Keith Jackson on the call, Vince Young, fourth and five. Uh, it's just, oh gosh, that was a great, that was so awesome. College football is really, really excellent. Can't wait till actual football is back. But since 2011, there has not been not one single solitary team to win a national championship that is not over 50% with its BCR, its blue chip ratio, meaning over 50% of the players on its roster have to be four or five star recruits that's what classifies as a blue chip a four or five star according to uh, the recruiting services i think 24 7 is the most used one here and so this is not a pure indicator of which teams can win the pac-12 because utah is a two-time defending champ they're not sniffing 50 percent for <laughs> with a blue chip ratio that is not at all the argument i'm making here however According to history, since 2011, when the Pac-12 was formed and they added Utah and Colorado, there has not been a single national champion that has had a lower than 51% of its players that were four- and five-star recruits coming out of high high school. Now, this is slightly more complicated to deal with because of the transfer portal. Do you grade kids based on how they grade in the portal or how they graded coming out of high school? Kind of hard to say, but bottom line here is that according to said metrics, which have been accurate for the last, what is it, uh, 13 national champions now, there are only two schools in the Pac-12 that can win a national championship, or at least have a chance to be in the conversation there, Oregon and USC. Oregon's blue chip ratio is the highest of any in the Pac-12. It's 67%. USC is next at 52%. Now, all this sort of stuff can oftentimes serve as bulletin board material for uh for fans of teams that don't have a blue chip ratio over 50 percent because then you come back later and you say well what about all those recruits what about all the blue chips what about all that sort of stuff the argument and that's the same sort of crowd that's you know well stars don't matter because of this that and the other thing yet here's the actual hard data telling you stars do in fact matter and then if you don't have enough of them over the course of time you're not going to be able to win a national championship now that does not mean you cannot have an outstanding season it just means that when the big game comes around you're probably going to get outclassed a little bit and there have been uh, the article that i read listed three there may have been others but there have been at least three teams to make the college football playoff, this is the good news for everybody else, is if you're not an Oregon or a USC fan listening to or watching this show, does not mean your team cannot win the Pac-12, does not mean your team cannot get to the college football playoff, does not even mean, are you ready for this? That you can't get to the national championship game. Two things. First of all, stats, trends, made to be broken, right? Records made to be broken, that sort of thing. Same sort of thing with these sorts of numbers. Well, nobody's ever done it. Well, somebody could be the first. Nobody ever come back from a 3-1 deficit in the NBA Finals. And LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers were the first in 2016. Some things have never happened until they happen. That's the first piece of optimism that I offer everybody else. The second part of it is it's not even out of the realm of possibility that this could happen. Because we have seen a Pac-12 team, one of the two Pac-12 teams to get into the college football playoff. That was in the first one, Oregon in 2014. They won the Rose Bowl against Florida State. They were in the national championship game. And they did not have that 50% clip. Now that's why the numbers have held true. 
And I would argue that if Oregon was closer to 55 or 60 percent or just had a little bit more talent in some areas, yeah, they might have been able to beat Ohio State or make that a little bit of a closer game in which the Buckeyes pulled away at the end of it and ultimately were, you know, clearly the best team in the country there. But Oregon has made it. 2021 Cincinnati, they got in with less than 50 percent. 2022 TCU even got in. So of the three teams I just listed that made the college football playoff without a BCR of over 50%, two of them got to the national championship game. To, that, that, rings, that, that reminds me of another argument that plays out in the sports world. That argument is that a mid-major can't win a national championship. I wholeheartedly disagree. Can a G5 team win a national championship of football? I don't think so. Can a G5 team get to the point where they could one day, you know, join a Power 5 conference and then move into that conversation? Yes, I do. But can a mid-major team win a national championship in men's college basketball? To me, that answer is yes. I believe that before he's done coaching, Mark Few will put together a national championship team at Gonzaga. We've seen San Diego State get all the way. We saw Butler get to back-to-back national championship games. And they are not getting blown out. Now, UConn was much better than San Diego State. They were really, really good. They were hot, and they just beat them by the time they got to that game. But we have seen other teams. Gonzaga come down to the wire uh, in in its first national championship game against uh, North Carolina. Butler had a half-court shot for the win. Go off the backboard, off the rim, and just carry them off the cylinder to see their title hopes dodged with Gordon Hayward and uh, Brad Steven, Brad Stevens on those teams. So I am not here to say that the, that the history is always going to hold true and that there's just absolutely, there's no hope it's going to be Oregon or USC. I don't believe that whatsoever. Do I think USC is the favorite in the Pac-12? Absolutely. Do I think they're the only team? Do I think they are the only team that can win it? Absolutely not. Do I think they're the only team that can make the playoff? Absolutely not. So the piece was written by 24-7 Sports' Bud Elliott, who is of the opinion that like that 2014 Oregon team, that a team that has a BCR, blue chip ratio, in the high 40s and a transcendent quarterback will break this trend at some point, and he referred to that Oregon team. Now, an olive branch to a certain Pac-12 fan base out there coming from myself and common sense, frankly. Can you think of a team that has more blue chip talent than most teams in the conference, but isn't at 50% yet and has a big time quarterback? Hmm, as Dave Chappelle once said in an SNL skin, hmm, let me put my thinking cap on. Oh, hmm. Yeah, I got to think. Oh, right, Washington. Because Michael Penix is looking like he's going to be a high-round pick in the NFL draft. He's the nation's uh, leading returning passer from a year ago. Heisman favorite going into this season. Washington has plenty of talent. They're not completely devoid of it. They have to make some defensive strides. But my goodness, they've got the offensive skill pieces, particularly at wide receiver, to put up points. They've got the offensive coordinator and the coach and the returners and everything there. So when I look at, you know, the the blue chip ratio, I do think it is a good indicator of what you can expect for a season in the national championship picture. 
because history tells us that it is. And history tends to repeat itself and has plenty of lessons to learn. And I think that's one of them. It does not, however, mean Utah could not go, uh, you know, 12 and 1 and win the Pac 12, go to the playoff. It does not mean that Washington could not do the same. It means that it is an even greater uphill climb and that this is probably not the year. With history telling you you've only got two teams with a chance, and I don't think either is ready to win a national championship at this point in time, it does tell you the Pac-12 eh, probably not going to have a national championship drought end in this given season. But as always, if you think I'm nuts, drop your thoughts in the YouTube comments or hit me up on Twitter at Smalls underscore 55 or at LO underscore Pac-12. DMs and mentions wide open. Let's wrap up with this question from Tyler. Total hypothetical, which it very much is, but say the pack stays together and SMU and San Diego State are added. How many teams would have to stay to continue the pack if Oregon and Washington leave? That would probably be for the Big Ten. Would it be totally dependent on the Bay schools? Would Oregon State, Washington State, San Diego State, and SMU even try to keep it going if it was just them? So if it was just those four they would probably have to go find new homes. But to your question of could it survive Oregon and Washington leaving, I mean, first of all, it would almost certainly be demoted away. It's hard to, it's hard to see how that could happen. It's hard to see how those two television linchpins for the conference going forward without USC and UCLA that are going to play your most watched game every year, that could play one of your biggest games every year. They're the only programs that have been to the playoff. They're two of your biggest brands in there. It's it's hard to see how, how a conference can continue in that I feel like that level of a move, when the conference has already taken such a critical blow, losing the LA market, it feels like, that would trigger Colorado and Arizona to say, yeah, okay, we'll we'll call Brett Yormark and we'll go over there. And then you'd be left with six schools, right? Do I have that math right? No. You'd be left with eight. But then the Bay Area schools might call the Big Ten and say, what do we need to do to get into the conference at that point? I think it would be dependent on, on what the Bay Area schools think because they've historically been you know, from a presidential side of things and, you know, political side of things just within the university. I mean, power brokers within the pack, they've always held tremendous power in in that sense, and they've always been quite influential. But at that point, it would you would certainly have to keep them around. But boy, I, I, I just don't see how, like, could a conference of 10 schools in six years, that is San Diego State, SMU, Oregon State, Washington State, Stanford, Cal, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Utah. Could that continue to exist in theory? Yes. If they decided that they all really wanted to, I just don't think once Oregon and Washington leave, who are going to be bringing in a solid chunk of the value of this upcoming media deal, which hopefully we get soon, but I'm not counting my chickens uh, or I'm not waiting on anything imminently here. Theoretically, yes, it could, but I just don't see how losing Oregon and Washington doesn't trigger other schools to make a jump if the offer is still there. And I can almost assure you it would be from the Big 12. So my answer would be no. I I, I think once Oregon and Washington were to jump, again, this is a total hypothetical. 
because I don't think that that move is as imminent as a lot of people do who just, you know, love to come in the comment section and say things like once Oregon and Washington leave, the pack is dead. Yeah, that that could very well materialize. But that first thing has to happen first. And I don't know how many different times I have to say it really appears. And I had, you know, our Locked On Big Ten host who's covering this sort of stuff a lot closer than I am on a while ago. And I asked him, you know, hey, what, what what's going on? Like, is there a desire to expand further? And he said, no, they're good. They're set. Kevin Warren's out for a reason. Because he wanted to expand further. Big Ten presidents did not. And the presidents, at the end of the day, vote on realignment and have all the power in these negotiations and in these talks. So if those 10 schools decide to band together, yes. Hard to see how that would be a Power 5 conference at that point. A Big 12 merger would, might even make more sense at that point in time than, than it possibly could right now. Whereas the conferences are kind of seen as you know competing with one another. Then it could be more a situation of, hey, we could have uh, you know more mutual interest and uh, institutional alignment here without Oregon and Washington there. But you still have Stanford and Cal, and boy, that just doesn't feel like they'd uh, go go merge with the Big 12 at that point. But I think if you had that happen, again, as he said, this is total hypothetical. If you had that happen, then you would you would have Stanford and Cal probably lobbying to get into the Big 10 pretty hard, whether or not they'd be able to anybody's guess technically they could stay together yes with 10 but really hard to see how other moves uh wouldn't be triggered there but good question keep them coming youtube comments or on twitter at smalls underscore 55 or at lo underscore pack 12 dms and mentions wide open i appreciate you all so much for tuning in i will see you next time and until next time whenever and wherever that is hope you have a wonderful rest of your day